This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, They also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their digital pro planner bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. I know it's the holidays, Matt, but does anybody know what Comics Catch-Up is really all about? Well, Chris... I can tell you the story of comics catch-up. Let me take you back to the long, long ago of 2017, probably. Two gentlemen had read a lot of comics, but they hadn't read them all. They had to listen to their listeners to learn about comics that they hadn't read and that they wanted them to read. These fellas needed to catch up on those comics. They mustered. And then they may, on A's, have a good opinion or bad opinion of the comics. <laughs> we're, we're getting into the weeds here, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's Comics Catch-Up, everybody. I'm Chris Sims. That was Matt Wilson. And we are here to, to read some festive holiday comics. And relish them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. 
it's it's we're gonna read some holiday comics suggested by our listeners now typically for this show what we will do is conduct a poll and uh go by the results of that poll for what we read but it's the holidays and we decided to be a little more democratic or i guess the poll was pretty democratic a a little more by definition uh i guess a little more open to public recommendation and i just kind of generally asked on twitter hey what should we read and we got several suggestion suggestions of holiday comic stories but two that we got multiple times were the judge dread christmas story from uh prague 2012 uh from 2000 ad which is kind of their 2012 annual slash holiday special and Wait, we did, also, it, did it come out in 2012 it did wow okay and we also got the hellboy single issue story krampus knocked and we read both of those and we're going to talk about them now i do want to give a quick lowdown a rundown of what we thought about doing and ended up not doing. Mm-hmm. So it is basically impossible to acquire one of those 2000 AD progs anywhere but through 2000 AD itself. There's no Marvel Unlimited for that kind of stuff. There's no, you know, review copies from DC Comics on Comicsology like we get. So I had to go to the 2000 AD website and purchase that comic for $3.99 in PDF form. And I thought we could read that whole issue, you know? I thought, mm-hmm. like, we could just go through that whole thing. But after reading the Dread story, I realized, one, basically no other stories in that book are holiday-themed. And two, they're all, like, disparate parts of multi-part stories the only standalone story in there was the dread story which was recommended to us by a number of our uk listeners uh it's an an early al ewing judge dread story and we all know what it's what it's been like in the past when we've been recommended some uk-centric comics But it, they were all saying that that story was super good. So I was like, okay, let's read the Dread story. Forget about the rest of that 2000 AD issue, and we'll read Krampusnacht 2. Because that is actually a post-Hellboy in Hell Hellboy story. Yeah! Alright! Set before, but published after. So that's what we're doing. We're doing those two stories. It's maybe a little less page count wise than we normally do on Comics Catch Up, but I feel like there is a lot to talk about in these two relatively short comic book stories. Uh, I feel much the same way. I should say, Matt, I actually do get review copies from 2000 AD, but not going as far back as 2012. Yeah, so so you wouldn't have had this uh, in the in your archives either. No, but I I actually say that because every time we read a Judge Dread story, I'm like, why am I not reading this all the time? And the the simple fact is, it's it's because the format is a a different format than most American comics, right? Like 2000 AD is an anthology, uh, usually of, uh, shorter serialized stories. Uh, and there's a lot of really good stuff in there, but I feel like the inherent quality of an anthology is that, uh, quality is variable. And also it's a lot to keep track of, especially since it comes out weekly. I don't want to sound like, the type of person who would be like, well, I only like the one thing and I don't like all the rest of it. But the only 2008 D thing that I'm really kind of plugged into is Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. And part of the issue with reading the other stories in this, despite the, you know, 
in addition to the fact that they're all like parts of larger stories for the most part, is that they're like about characters and ideas that I'm just not familiar with. <clears throat> I, I, I'm not like, there's a kind of like funny comic strip at the start of this about the various droids from 2000 AD called droid life. Right. Because it's, the 2000 AD is a comic from the future. I don't know if everybody knows that. Yeah. It's from the distant future year of 2000 AD. Yeah. Uh, and so all of the uh, stories are written and drawn by robots. That's the idea. Yeah. The editor's an alien named Tharg the Mighty. So there's uh, this strip at the front that's kind of like the Chris Giarusso Marvel characters strips. Mm-hmm. We're like, you kind of know have to know a little bit about Marvel to get those. And I feel like you need to know a decent amount about 2000 AD droids to get that <laughs> comic. And it was just like another language to me, uh, trying to read that. So, yes, I would really love to keep up with Judge Dredd, but at the same time, I I can't really imagine myself getting all of 2000 AD just to read Judge Dredd. Like, I'd need to educate myself a lot more on 2008D, the the comic, and everything that's in it before I started doing that. I think this is probably a function of us being primarily superhero guys. Because 2008D, even though it's creators, generally speaking, that I really, really like. I mean, you know, this is an Al Ewing story and friend of the show. Friend of the mm-hmm. show, Al Ewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think John Wagner is one of the best, you know, consistently one of the best writers working in comics for like the past 40 years. Uh, there's been 2080 stuff by Morrison and Ennis and it, everybody. Uh, I, I mean, tons of British comic creators got their start on 2080. Yeah. But they're all, you know, they're all sci fi comics. And I, I feel like it's. It's the exact same problem that I have with role-playing games. Pro- problem in, you know, big scare quotes. Uh, I like role-playing games, Matt, as you know. I do know that. I love a role-playing game. I love a source book. I'll, I'll play a Monster of the Week. I'll, I'll do I'll do whatever. I fucking love Dungeons & Dragons, though. Like, I just really love Dungeons and & Dragons. And that's kind of what I want when I play a role-playing game. And yeah. for 2080, it's like, yeah, 2080 is great. I fucking love Judge Dredd, though. <laughs> well, Judge Dredd, you know, talking about being superhero guys, uh, Judge Dredd is the bridge of that gap. You know, it's a sci-fi yeah. comic, but it's a superhero comic. Like, Judge Dredd is a super cop. You know, he's he's as close to a superhero kind of figure as you're going to get in a in a book like this. He has extremely complicated continuity. <laughs> Uh huh. And a bad movie in the '90s. He's a superhero, pretty much. It's weird. I went back and looked at uh, the Judge Dredd movie for a minute uh, for work the other day, and it's weird how that movie looks exactly like 2000 AD, but has none of the like nothing else. It look like Judge Dredd in that movie looks. <laughs> the costume is Judge Dredd's costume. The costumes and set design are. So good. And everything else is so wrong. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about this story, Matt. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about what I texted you when I was done reading it? Uh, yes, we can We can relay the whole exchange. You texted me, this Dread story is so good I can't stand it. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's outrageous. It's infuriating how good it is. <laughs> it is... Look, we we all know, and if you're a listener of this show, you, you know, like, Al Ewing is a smart comics creator. He is a thoughtful comics creator. He puts a lot of, like, really interesting stuff into his work. This thing is structurally so fucking good, I can't stand it. So here's the concept. This story is called Choose Your Own Xmas. 
Yeah, which, by the way, it's it's barely Christmassy. It's an action story set at Christmas. Uh, yeah. It's a Shane Black movie. Yeah, I think that's a very good comparison. Uh, but, but what it is is a comic choose-your-own-adventure story starring a character named Jackson Packard, who you can literally like jump around from panel to panel as it tells you to do and go to different endings and see different like fates of Jackson Packard where he's, he dies in all these different ways. Yeah. You can read it as a choose your own adventure story, which is what it tells you to do at the beginning. Yes. Or you can read it sequentially and read it all the way through and realize that, an industrial accident has led Jackson Packard to essentially be existing in multiple different lives in the same timeline. So Judge Dredd keeps seeing the same guy. Like, by the time you get to the end of the story, he's like, you're the third one of you I've seen today. And it's because of this industrial accident that has, like, kind of flushed him out of reality that's that's put him in in these multiple existences within the reality and dread has to destroy the machinery that put him here to bring it back to normal and then he just gets arrested at the end of that story but it's it's so clever like it's so like kind of brilliantly sci-fi in the yeah. way that it happens. It is a it's a choose your own adventure story, right? Like it's it's a choosable path adventure, which A, you know I love, and B are complicated to write, especially when they kind of, you know, dovetail back into each other. It's a choose your own adventure story from the perspective of Jackson Packard. If you read it like that. It's a Judge Dredd story that follows Judge Dredd if you read it sequentially. It is a, like, and it functions both ways. How many times did you read it before you realized what the what the deal was, Matt? I decided to just read it straight through from the start. Did I, you know what the gimmick was? No. But I was that's, like... That's madness! <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, okay, I know this is a choose-your-own-adventure story. I know it's probably going to have different endings. But I'll just go through and see the different endings as they come. That is the Matt Wilsonest thing <laughs> I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> to, to take the fun away from myself of a thing? <laughs> to, yeah, I know what a choose-your-own-adventure story is. I'm just going to read it straight through. <laughs> I got work to do. That's pretty much exactly what I thought, yeah. Matt, that's wild. I hope you don't mind me saying so. That's wild, Matt. Oh, I I can imagine like people being like, "You made it not fun." Which look, it would not be the first time I've been accused of making something not fun. <laughs> uh, were you then? Were you surprised to like when you realized as you were going through it that you were, uh getting like a a different narrative that was playing out when the choose your own adventure stuff started coming up i had a sense that there would probably be a twist one cuz it's a judge dread story two cuz it's a now ewing story mm-hmm. and i was like this is probably going to all come together as one singular story somehow in the end and then it did i mean i not that I wasn't like delighted by how it came together. Like I love the idea of like in the end you find out that he works in a lab where the scientist in charge is studying parallel universes. And which you should never do in a Judge Dredd comic, by the way. Like it is mentioned in here. It's like, yeah, we we found that one parallel dimension where all life was a crime. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yes. That that resulted in millions, if not billions, of deaths. And then he gets shocked by a piece of machinery where essentially all the various parallel Jacksons are existing in this reality. And I, I really appreciated the cleverness of that. I, I didn't know what clever twist was coming, but mm. I thought there would probably be one. Okay. 
Uh, I read it as a choose your own adventure, which, you know, like you would read a choose your own adventure comic if you were presented with one. (laughs) (laughs) And I made it through the, the first death. And then I started, you know, I went back to the beginning to start over because I wanted to see what the rest of it was. And when I made the second branching choice, I think is when I got that panel of Judge Dredd saying, you again. And that's when I kind of realized what was happening. And that's when I went back to the start and read it straight through. And it's like, it's astounding how well it is structured. Yeah, it's really interesting how Judge Dredd maybe appears in a third of the panels of this story, maybe. Yeah, not a lot. And you get a complete Judge Dredd story, where everything that is happening in this, if you read it like I did, everything that is happening for Judge Dredd is happening chronologically. Mm-hmm. Like, he is having this night where he keeps seeing the same guy, even though he's seen him die horribly. <laughs> earlier in the evening Mm -hmm. uh it's it's so clever it's again it's it's so clever i can't stand it it's because it's not like it's not like it's not jumping around right it because it does go like oh you know if you want to do this turn to, to panel 16 if you want to do this turn to panel 53 it's it is a fully functional choose-your-own-adventure structured as you would expect, and yet it is more. Yeah, it, and that's it, mind-blowing to me. It functions as a sequential story with the numbered panels, because every panel is numbered. So it, 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 when it's telling you to go to panel whatever, that's where you go. Yeah, and it's gridded out, too. So there's uh, six panels on every page. Except for the first page, which is four. Except for the first one, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and speaking of, by the way, we should say, we've mentioned Al Ewing like 16 times, but uh, the art in this story was from uh, John Higgins and Sally Hurst, uh, letters from Any Park House. Yeah. Uh, really good looking story. Yeah. Uh, a little different for your typical 2000 AD, because it's full color, for one. Well, 2080 has been full color for a while. Has it? Okay. Yeah, I've I've read mostly older 2080 stories. Yeah, it's been it's been full color. I think maybe since the 90s. Well, it's like late it's, 90s. This particular annual or whatever you want to call it, Prague, the the Dread story is the only one that's full color. Everything else is black and white. Well, no, there are other full color stories. It kind of alternates, I guess. Between yeah. color and black and white stories. They still do some black and white stuff, but it's Dread, I know, has been full color for a while. So it, it's a really good looking story, too. And I think the art does a good job of not tipping the story's hand at any point. It, like, I think if you do jump around, you won't ever know that. You know, the Jackson you're reading is a different Jackson than you saw earlier. Yeah, because what it does is every time there's a choice, the next panel is a scene change. So it looks like it's not continuing sequentially. Yeah, it's so smartly done. Yeah, it's the I, I, I look at it and weep, honestly. There are a couple other four panel pages. The next to the last page is also four panels. Okay. But most of them are six-panel grids, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we'll do rankings at the end. And I think we've gone over that Dread story pretty thoroughly. Let's talk about Hellboy Krampusnacht, another very, very good comic. Yeah, uh, really good. Um, I do feel as though I am being possessed by the spirit of Benito Serrano when I say that it's not entirely faithful to the the Krampus legend. <laughs> well, obviously Hellboy's going to tweak it a little bit. Yeah. This is uh, written by Mike Mignola, but uh, with art by Adam Hughes, who does a great job. It, uh, okay. Yes, Adam Hughes actually does do a great job. And I, d- I do think it is not necessarily tragic. He's doing fine. But like... It 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 bugs me that people don't 
know that Adam Hughes is as good a sequential artist as he is. Yeah. Uh, Cause if you go back, you know, before he was primarily doing covers and, and pinup stuff, which is where the money is. Uh, yeah. Especially for uh, a guy like him. Yeah. You go and look at like, I mean, he, he drew one of my favorite justice league stories where they fight Despero and, or you look at the maze agency stuff. That's really good. Like his sequentials, uh, I mean, I don't feel like I'm really uh, blowing anybody's mind. Adam Hughes is pretty good. Adam Hughes is pretty good. I, I do think he probably doesn't do sequentials that often because uh, I don't know. Like, given the type of art that he does and the level of detail, I don't know how feasible it is for him to do a monthly. Uh, not very, uh, yeah. I believe. The, you know, this is a one-issue, one-and-done kind of story. Yeah, which, and it's a Hellboy story that Mike Mignola is writing. Yeah. So, but like his version of Hellboy is so good. Like it's so evocative of Mignola, but also so very clearly Hughes's style. And this story is set in the seventies. It's set in 1975. Mm-hmm. And Hellboy is at one point near the end, he's out of his trench coat and you can see him in what he was wearing underneath which are these extremely 70s clothes. <laughs> uh-huh. This kind of like tight-fitting quarter-sleeved shirt and uh, fucking full-on bell-bottoms. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a look, man. I will say, though, it is... It's very recognizably Adam Hughes Hellboy, but it's also very recognizably Hellboy. Yes. But there is there is that sexy lady on page two. <laughs> yes, the sexy ghost lady who doesn't really come back. Like th- like thematically, I guess she she uh gets what she wants in the end, but she definitely is just like a sexy ghost <laughs> shows yeah. up for the sake of Adam Hughes drawing a sexy ghost. Yeah. The interesting thing is, like, Adam Hughes is credited uh, for all of the art. Like, it is it is story of Mike Mignola, art Adam Hughes. Mm-hmm. Uh, letters by Clem Robbins, which are also extremely good. But I had to go look and, like, make sure this wasn't, like, a Dave Stewart coloring job. Because Hughes colors Hellboy differently. Like, he he shades him like Mignola shades him. Which is like it's it's really cool to see. I love comic books, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's doing the thing. Like yeah, you know, like um, this is maybe a weird place to bring this up, but I feel like it's appropriate here. You know how like movie directors are the bosses of movies. You know, <laughs> like their vision of their film is the final vision of the film. TV right. directors, on the other hand. They come in and they answer to a showrunner who is a writer and they direct an episode of a TV show the way that every other episode of that TV show is directed. They try to match the look and feel of every other episode of that TV show. And if you as a viewer are watching the TV show and you're like, this looks weird and different, then that director has failed. Because it's supposed to feel like an episode of whatever, The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Like, even when Quentin Tarantino directed CSI, it was just another fucking episode of CSI. <laughs> I don't remember Tarantino directing CSI. It was about a man in a box in the ground. <laughs> it was the only episode of CSI I ever watched, and it was like just a fucking episode of CSI. It was about a man in a box in the ground. <laughs> You think I'm kidding. That's what it was about. Matt, I absolutely do not think you're kidding. Anyway. Obviously, comics are a little different in that regard. Because artists clearly have their own styles. And if they are to, were to ape the style of another artist, that would be theft. But it is nice when someone comes onto a book like Hellboy 
and they add little stylistic touches to make it clearly their own art, but also clearly Hellboy in the way mm-hmm. things are shaded, in the way things are colored, in the way characters look and settings look. And I think that's what Adam Hughes is doing here. He's In some ways, he's being a TV director. He's like, all right, I'm going to do the thing that makes this recognizably Hellboy. Yeah, like I feel like he's like, yeah, I know what Hellboy looks like. <laughs> and, you know, he's good. He's good at what he does. Yeah, I mean, even uh, in the he knows page, how to do it. Even in the page layouts, it looks like Hellboy. Yeah. This is very much like I mean this is is maybe going to sound incredibly dumb, but this is very much a Hellboy story. Like it's it's a it's it is a classic Wolves of St. August, the corpse uh style Hellboy story. Yeah, so to give a quick rundown of what happens in this Hellboy uh goes to he's in Austria, correct? Uh yes. Matt, yeah. Matt, can I just do a real quick, like super quick rundown? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, uh, there's a man, and he's a Krampus. Yeah, but he's a goat. He's a goat. The end. Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> to to put it a little in a little more detail, Hellboy goes to Austria. He goes to a house uh, that is the home of Wilhelm Schulze, who has gotten his attention. Uh, by essentially uh, causing chaos in a church by making all the pews and candles and and vases fly up in the air, mm-hmm. and he makes the priest say, "Good Lord!" And Schultz Schultz says, "Oh no, sir, hardly that." Uh, and so Hellboy goes to his house and he goes, "Well, you certainly uh, made a ruckus," and he goes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I was just trying to get your attention. Uh, I'm the Krampus, and also, I'm from Pandemonium, the city in hell. Yeah, I'm I'm a Krampus, and I'm actually a prince of hell. I'm a demon. Yeah. You know and, how St. Uh, Nicholas chained demons? I'm a demon, but like a Hellboy demon, like a you demon. Yeah, I might even be related to you. And Hellboy's like, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something I'll have to deal with in the 2010s. <laughs> And uh, he begs Hellboy with his big right hand to kill him. Yeah, the my favorite bit in the entire story is him like demanding. He's like, he's like, uh, long enough. I am tired of it. Kill me and send me home. And the next panel is Hellboy going, okay, and shooting him in the face. <laughs> And then he's like, "You can't do it like that. Yeah, you have to use. You have to use the. You have to use the hand. You have to use your big hand." And and so like Krampus tries to beat it out of him. He tries to like, you know, he's doing that thing where he's like hitting him, and he's saying like, "Kill me, do it. Come on, kill me." And Hellboy's like, "I'm trying." <laughs> yeah, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> it really is a thing where you know he's like, "Yeah, fight me to the death," and Hellboy's like, "I am." Trying to kill you. Please stop throwing me into fireplaces. And uh, Hellboy realizes that he has a big old knife mm-hmm. that one of the, the ghostly children from the woods gave him. Yeah, we didn't really mention the ghostly children of the woods, Matt. Yeah, so there's a ghostly lady in the woods <laughs> you've read, at the start. You've read a, uh, a Hellboy story before. You know how, how there's ghosts. And there are ghostly children of the woods, and it is not stated, but very strongly implied that these are all of the Krampus's victims. Yes, uh, this is like a this is like a metaphorical woods, though. This is a metaphysical woods, because in the beginning, Hellboy is just in the woods. This is when he's like uh, getting like choked out by the Krampus, and he like goes into a liminal space uh-huh. with all, with all the dead children that the Krampus has murdered and one of them gives him a knife (laughs) and uh and it's like a kitchen knife yeah and so Hellboy uh stabs that Krampus with a knife and it turns the Krampus like Krampus is like oh good I'm dead I get to die but instead of dying normally he just turns into a goat he's a yule goat yeah he's he's not actually a demon after all he's just a goat been there, buddy. Buddy, you think you're one thing? 
but you're another thing. Uh, and then he goes back to BPRD and discusses it a little bit, uh, like how he was just a goat. <laughs> and uh, and then he drinks some tea, and we see the Krampus's grave with the children's toys on it, and that's the end. Yeah, Liz Sherman is there. She has a Merry Christmas. Yeah, she she's uh, playing with some fire by the fire. Yeah. It's a very fun, solid. Like I said, classic Hellboy uh, adventure. Oh, oh! Also, there's a a quick set of Christmas memories in the back, where Hellboy uh, gets a Lobster Johnson Dakota ring in 1946. Uh, Abe Sapien gets drunk in 1995, and then we see him with Alice, with undated, uh, which is both sweet and funny. Yeah. Uh, a thing that I really, really like about this is when he goes into the the metaphysical woods, uh, and all the like skeletons are there, which are extremely horrific. By the way, like it's awful. It's gruesome in, in, in a very intentional way. Yeah, gruesome. I think is the word for it. Uh, there, like, which is no like like you know funny haha. Christmas card Krampus. This is a Krampus who murders children. Yeah, so these are like skeletons of children, so it's like exceptionally horrifying. Um, And like the creepiest part of it is that they're all like, you know, they're all begging for Hellboy's help. And then the one who gives him the knife is the only one who's like, uh, he, he says, he's just so tired. Help him. Use this. So the only thing that can kill the Krampus ends up being a weapon that is given to Hellboy by an actually good child, which is a very yeah. good little bit. Yeah. All the other children are saying like, I didn't do it. I'm good. I'm sorry. Like, you know, like you would imagine a kid who might actually not be a good kid would try to say that they're a good kid, but Matt, then the one good children. You're right. Uh, but then the one kid is like, here, help him, you know, help him out. Yeah. Although um, that ends up kind of being a trick because it, it seems like the knife is what causes him to turn into a goat instead of dying and going to pandemonium. No, but I but he was never really a demon. Okay. So th- he was just not, a yule goat. It's not about the knife. Right. The, the, knife, the knife works because the knife is given to him by a good child. Okay. Uh, and then th- th- he just turns back into the Yule Goat because he dies. <laughs> At least I think it's Hellboy, so a lot of folklore. And like Hellboy, we just have to be like, eh, okay. Different interpretations. Like I, I think that there is a reading of this where like he actually is a demon, but because he's killed with this knife, he just turns back into a goat instead of returning to hell where he wants to go. But th- whatever the case. One of my favorite things about this is the unexpected connection to Hellboy in Hell. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, Pandemonium, that city, remember it? I want to go back there. Yeah. Which is like the the thing that, that does cast the doubt that is like, wait, is is he actually a, a Prince of Hell? Because he knows about Hellboy and he knows about Pandemonium. Yeah, and he even makes Hellboy say like I don't I don't know that we're related. <laughs> you th- you think maybe we are? I don't know. <laughs> it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I I love Hellboy's reactions in this. Yeah, Hellboy's I mean that's, you know, that's the bit. They're all so good. The, the thing where he's saying kill me and he's like, geez, I'm working on it. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> oh. Fantastic. Yeah. When the cramp when he stabs the Krampus with the knife, the Krampus says, How did you get that? And Hellboy's reaction is, It's a mystery, pal. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, the great thing about Hellboy, he's not a reluctant hero he's just done with it he's so put upon <laughs> yeah he's put upon and i love that because he's a seven foot tall 
super strong, indestructible demon with a gigantic gun. I, I think what makes it understatement is hilarious. Yes. Always. And every reaction Hellboy has to like fighting a demon or some like huge creature or being confronted with a monster is an understatement. Yes. And even and, his like big reactions are like, oh, you're horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like I haven't seen it yet. I, I know we're going to probably end up watching it for movie fighters, but based on the trailers, that was my number one complaint about Hellboy 2019 is that all, all his reactions were big. And that's not Hellboy. Yeah. Which is weird. Cause I feel like David Harbour could play very like, put upon he could do understated for sure i mean yeah, he does that on stranger things because that's the thing he's a bright red seven foot tall super strong demon the the bit has to be that he's understated yeah the bit has to be that he's just like okay let's get this over with <laughs> yeah <laughs> hilarious all right we've talked about both stories i think we've thoroughly talked about both stories it's time to rank. I feel like both of these are contenders. I mean, they're both pretty strong, for sure. Like, the the thing that I, I feel like uh, the Judge Dredd story, uh, Choose Your Own Xmas, uh, which it, it is Xmas because, you know, it's the future. The thing it reminded me of the most is the monster at the end of this book. Just that, like, that level of structural like brilliance you know what it is hmm? monster at the end of this book is this too it's a magic trick it's a magic trick yeah it's it's structured like a magic trick where you have the pledge the turn and the prestige yeah and and by the end of it you're like wow you know it's i i don't think you're wrong about that i think structurally they're very similar the most important thing in this book is at number 19. I don't know that this is going to go quite that high, but... Yeah, I don't think this is, for instance... A, I, I feel very similarly about what's right below that, A Matter of Some Gravity, the Don Rosa Scrooge McTuck story, where uh, Scrooge and Donald's personal gravity is sideways. Uh, because it also, is told in a very interesting way. Extremely clever. Yes, very, very clever. Is this going to be, like... Is it going to be top 50? Number 50 is Mad Love. And I feel like you could argue it. But number 53 okay. is Ultra Comics, which is also a magic trick of the very same type. Yeah, I think Ultra Comics is deeper. This is a very cool story that, understandably, people recommended to us. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to get a whole lot out of rereading it. Like, I got it on one read-through. Ultra Comics is a comic that rewards rereading and looking at the details and seeing the structure and and really parsing it, you know? <laughs> Matt, I, I do want to point out that you're not going to get anything out of rereading this because you read it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I read it right! Yeah, but you didn't know you were going to. <laughs> <laughs> I look, maybe I look. I am. I th here's what I think it was. If I was, because I, I knew I was reading this for this show, mm -hmm. and so I read it like a critic instead of reading it like a reader. Like I was just going to sit down and read this. If I was reading this in a different context, I probably would have done the choose your own adventure thing. I, okay. <laughs> that's, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> what are you going to say as a critic? I should engage with the text the way that's it was. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you didn't engage with it on the terms that it asked you to engage with it. Like, again, I'm not going to, like, I think once you've read the complete story, you've read the complete story, yes. But, like, I did read it two and a half times, essentially, and and got the the great, like, realization. 
Because that, that's a thing that I don't think we really talked about. It's not just that you can read it sequentially and also you can read it through. It's that there are clues that you need to do it. Because, like, it, it, you know, Dredd shows up and he's like, you again. And then uh, uh, Jordan will show up. Jackson. Uh, Jackson will show up and be like, Dredd. And Dredd will be like, who are you? So it's it's very much a... I think the cleverness of it is not just like, it's not just gimmicky. It's very thoughtful and well done and entertaining. Yeah. I, it's, I also it's think, not as good as ultra comics though. I, don't I, think. I, th- I think if you do it enough times, you'll realize that none of the paths take you to the end mm-hmm. because the last couple of pages are Jackson breaking, breaking the structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going back to where the machine is that that caused all of this. So I think you could also come to that realization where it's like, it never sent me to these pages. Mm-hmm. And so you go read those pages and, and see what the deal is. <sighs> Probably not as good as the Flintstones, which is some kind of hallmark of comics. I think I think this is kind of the area though, right? Because yeah, we've probably. got U- Ultra Comics is right there. Fantastic Four 350 and 352 are the Walt Simonson Time Fight, which is also a comic you can read sequentially and out of sequence and it all lines up. I yeah. I, I feel like this is is like this is as well this is pretty close to being as good as that, I think. Okay. Uh, the Below problem that, is, like, all of these comics are extremely good. All of them are extremely good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, is this better than Triumph and Torment? Probably not. <laughs> it's probably not as good as Nothing Can Stop the Juggernaut. Yeah. I keep saying things where I'm like, yeah, it's probably as good as that. But then it's like, right below it is, like, Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck, you know? Is this better than Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck? No, it's not as good as the Chip Spectacular Spider-Man issue number three ten, which is extremely emotional. Uh, Pizza is my business is another like cleverly structured comic that I think I think I could hand somebody Pizza is my business and it more easily than I could hand them this. Yeah, this requires a little bit of. Uh, Background. You got to know who Judge Dredd is for one. You, you get, like it, it does help if you have. I, I, I think this could probably be your first Dredd story, and you could get it. But it it what it would help. Well, seeing uh, Jackson's reaction to Judge Dredd just on sight, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think this is better than Milner's song, which is the comic where Thor hits the Midgard Serpent so hard that he breaks every bone in his own body. Okay. I, I think, like, because that is also a gimmick issue, right? It's all splash rages. Right. Um, well, right above that is Orion Fights for Earth from New Gods Number 1. That's pretty fucking good. All right, so between New Gods Number 1 <laughs> and Mjolnir's song is going to go, uh, I guess we'll just call it Judge Dredd, Choose Your Own Xmas. And then uh, we can say Prague 2012. All right, so that enters the list number 92. That has cracked the top 100. Uh, yes, very well done. Do we like this Hellboy story more or less than that? <sighs> okay, here's here's the thing. Uh, the, the Hellboy story? Very good. Uh, very fun, enjoyable. We, we sung Adam Hughes' praises pretty heavily. But it's not like... It's not the Wolves of St. August. It's not uh, the corpse. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's Hellboy in Hell. Yeah, because the the I will say the parts about that story that got me like kind of the most amped are the parts that reminded me of Hellboy in Hell. That were like callbacks to Hellboy in Hell. Yeah, which I think when we reviewed Hellboy in Hell, we were like, "Oh, Mike Mignola said this is his last Hellboy story." And he's done this story since, so 
I guess it wasn't his last Hellboy story. Yeah. Um, but I, I would put it below Hellboy in Hell, which is at number 161. The Wolves of St. August is at 175. The Wild Hunt is at 208. Below Wild Hunt? Uh, I think below Wild Hunt. I like Wild Hunt a lot. All right. The Crooked Man's at 222. Boy. Matt Wilson. Crooked Man good. Crooked Man good. I mean, Crooked Man bad. Good. <laughs> good at being bad. Well, another Christmas story uh, is at 225, A Christmas Underground. Hmm. I might like this story more than that. Okay. If you were going to say one of these, and I am not saying you have to do this, Matt, but if you were going to say one of these was the Hellboy Christmas story, which one would it be? Probably A Christmas Underground because it has Santa in it. Yeah. Quote unquote. Yeah, but as a story, I, I don't know. I, I I really like this. I no, I really like it too. Again, like, I mean, it's a it's a Mike Mignola written Hellboy story. It ain't gonna be bad. I kind of feel like this and a Christmas Underground should be a one two punch on the list. I feel like they're of comparable quality, certainly. Hmm. 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 All right. Well, right under that we have Chinatown. Yeah, uh, the Goon original graphic novel, which is also very very good. Uh I'd say this this is probably better than Seed of Destruction. That's the first yep. Hellboy story. Yep, I would agree. Uh, yeah, let's put this directly under then. Christmas Underground. Yeah. Okay, so that'll enter the list at the new number two twenty six. Hellboy, Krampusnacht. That means Krampus Night. It sure does. And that's gonna cause us to say good night. Here on Comics Catch-Up. Yeah, it's the last Comics Catch-Up of the year, Matt. Yeah. I felt like we did some good catching. We did some real good catching. It's our first year of Comics Catch-Up. We started in January, so we've done 12. And with one notable exception, I feel like we've really uh, knocked out some stuff that I think listeners have appreciated listening to. (laughs) And we've had a lot of fun talking about. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, Make sure to catch us on War Rocket Ajax every Monday. And uh, the monthly Every Story Ever specials, which are two hours long, thanks to our backers on Patreon, who are also responsible for uh, bringing you comics catch-up. And... Bun buns? Matt, I tried. I'm sorry. See Racha you later. <laughs> Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> 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 <laughs>